he's getting older, but he's doing great, and it was a treasure to be with them. Our desire was to go and be a blessing to them, uh, to encourage them, and to spend a, a memorable time. And what happened was, is we brought drama to them at 89 and 86 years old. Isn't that amazing how that happens? Uh, you know, and, and we were all together in, in, in one place, uh, you know, right there with each other 24-7 for six days. And starts, stuff starts to bubble to the surface, right? I, my two kids, they were with us too. They're adults now. They're grown. But they're not quite there yet. And so, you know, uh, Lauren was, was great. You know, she was there, but there were some interactions going on with her and her brother. And, and then it started to happen between all of us. Uh, and we just started having some spicy talks, and then my parents would, would jump in. There was one particular night where we were all together and we had dinner together, and, uh, you know, uh, my nephew and my son were expressing, you know, their views on spirituality, on life, and here's, you know, here I am, 52 years old, going to be 53 next year or next month, and it, I got to just say I don't agree, but we were going back and forth, and then my dad jumps in. And I'm like, okay, I let go of the wheel. Here's the wheel. Here's the keys. You take over. And man, he, he just, he, he, he had some things to say. And I, I have tremendous respect for my dad, but I can remember that stage in my life where I would overspeak with my dad. And what a difference it would have made if I'd have had a grandfather there squaring up with me. And it was all good, right? But it, it was a little intense. Okay, so this is kind of the environment. Uh, and, and I just got to be open with you guys. One of the mistakes that I made during the week was I was holding a lot of stuff in. And you know what happens when you hold stuff in? It grows. And it, it bubbles up, right? So, you know, and I'm your minister and everything, and I don't have some great news for you because, you know, I, I really try hard to be a good example, but it kept bubbling up. Come Saturday, the day before our last day, I lost it. I lost my temper. Uh, I went over the edge. And I got very, very angry. And, uh, you know, my wife came over to me as I was really angry. And everybody knew it. Everybody knew it. And, and people were, you know, and she came over to She said, hey, this is spiritual. And I feel like you're letting the the darkness get the best side of you. And you know, when she said that, I had to stop. I'm so grateful for the wife that I have. Because had she not said anything, I, I gotta be honest with you guys, it was going in a bad direction. I was on the verge of doing something that I would have regretted for the rest of my life. Okay, I'm just being real. Can, can we be real? I know, I know, you know, we're in church and things, and, but I got to share, this is real what we're talking about. And I know we come to church and we want to, you know, look good, and, and this is church, right? But this is real what I'm talking about. Amen. So, you know, my daughter starts crying, and she walks away, and I knew I blew it. I knew I blew it. And so I pulled Nick to the side, and I said, I'm really sorry. I lost it. I, I'm I'm really, really sorry. And I had to apologize, you know, to my daughter, my wife, uh, 
And I had to do some reflecting that day. The very next day, you know, because I'm the minister and I'm the youngest, I'm supposed to do the family service for 25 of our family members. And let me just say, after that, I felt zero, zero moral authority to do anything the next day. I was like, man, I'm completely defeated right now. I feel so guilty. I feel so bad. And, you know, I, I wanted to call my brother-in-law, and I, and I wanted to say, hey, listen, you know, can you do the service tomorrow? Because he's also a, a minister. And, but I didn't call him. Because I thought about my best friend, Marty Fuquay, you know, over here at the Lifeway region next door in San Gabriel and Pasadena. And I never forget his words, and his words were ringing in my head. He says, you know, when you are at your worst, it's time to humble out and, and step up and do what God wants you to do. Because I knew that nobody was going to reach the family the way I was, and not me, but just, you know, that's the role that I have. But... You know, I prayed a lot, and Laura and I talked. She helped me work through it and got up the next day, and, and I apologized to the whole family. I let them know what happened the day before, and I said, what I'm going to talk to you about, I need. And so I'm going to say it again to you. What I'm going to talk about today, I need. We need. But because of that, you know, I, I can honestly say that my relationship with my son has elevated my, my relationship with my wife has elevated. My relationship with my parents has elevated because the, that afternoon after the Sunday service, it was time to start talking. My relationship with my brother elevated, my cousins, and that service was so awesome because it was a circle of the family, 25 of us. And my dad's kicking in. He loved the, he loved the, the, the lesson. My cousin, who's the neuro, neuro, you know, surgeon, uh, I did it on the brain. You remember that one? I did, I did it on the brain. And, and you got to be careful when you do a lesson about the brain in front of a neurosurgeon. <laughs> and I said, after I was done, I said, and it's just like this. I had a TV screen and everything, and I was talking with the whole family, and I said, so was it good at the end? He goes, it was awesome. But I got a few more things to share, he said. And man, he just put the stamp on it. And he started sharing to the young people. You know, about the, the, the prefrontal cortex and the limbic system. You remember that? And then my dad chimed in. It was a beautiful thing. And I said, man, I wish I could be in this circle more than one week in a year. Because I need it. But I came back to my spiritual circle here and I've had the chance to talk to different close friends of mine and, and, and the elders, and I, I, I share with them what happened over the, over the trip and got open, and, you know, I got some things to work on, and, and Lauren and I had a great talk this past week, and, and, you know, this season that we're walking into, my relationship with her has to grow a lot more. This is real. So I'm, you know, sorry to open up the lesson, but I just, I have to tell you guys that I need what we're going to talk about today, and I needed it, and I'm so grateful that I have it, because as a member of the church, not just a minister of the church, as a member of the church, I am a satisfied customer. You know why? Because everything that went on, had I not been in a circle with my family and gotten the training 
to be humble and listen and allow people into my life to, to, to tell me what's going on and what's missing, it would have been really bad. I am so thankful, and I wouldn't have the platform now to start growing my relationships. So today what I want to talk with you about is this very idea of being in circles. Being in circles. See, because here we're in what? We're in rows. And the, the idea that we have from, for a church, and I don't know if you're a guest here, I want to welcome you. This is real. You know, hey, I'm, I'm the minister. And you say, well, what are you doing up there? And you say, well, good question. We'll talk afterwards. But this is our goal as a church. We, we want to we wanna create a community of Jesus followers who are in real relationships, creating community. And that happens not shoulder to shoulder, but face to face, in circles. See, Sunday is just part of what we do. Where real life happens is when we are in circles. And it's very important for us to see church is not about sitting in rows only. It helps. We get training. We get inspiration. We worship together. But where real change starts happening is when we get in circles. So I want us to say this together as a church, that circles are better than rows. Say it with me. Circles are better than rows. Say it again one more time. Teens, you got to help me. Circles are better than rows. Even the preteens, you guys in the youth ministry, say it with me. Circles are better than rows. I saw you, Gary. You weren't chiming in. I need you, man. I need you. This is our idea, guys. See, Jesus never wanted us to meet in rows. Only, although they were in rows when they were Jesus, but what he said is, I want you guys to be close. I want you guys to be in circles. Why do we need to be in circles? Guess what? Every single one of us, if there's anything good we want to do in our lives, guess what we do? We drift from it. We drift. We all drift. I don't care what it is. If it's good, you drift from it. Whether it's taking care of your health, whether it's, you know, having, having a great marriage, a great family, without even trying, you'll drift from it. The, the reality, if it's good for us, we drift from it. If you're on a plan to exercise, guess what the tendency is? Drift from it. If you want to start this season, you know, you guys that are students to say, I want to make straight A's, guess what's going to happen in a couple of months? You're going to drift from it. And so how can we avoid this drift? And the, 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 the reality of it too is the current of life, meaning the flow of life, rarely takes us in the right direction. How many of you guys ever been to uh, Laughlin, beautiful, wonderful Laughlin? and taking a dip in the river, the Colorado River. It's cold. But there is a fast rolling current. How many of you have ever been able to stay in one place in the middle of the river? You can't. And how about swimming upstream, going against the stream? It's impossible because it's moving so fast. That's exactly what it's like to try to do the right thing and have a good marriage, have a good life, do the right thing and live a life that Jesus would approve of in this world. It's like swimming upstream. 
But here's the interesting thing. You lock arms with somebody, and you can create a chain, and guess what happens? You can resist the current. See, Jesus never intended for us to go against the current alone. He wants us to do it together. And only together can we make it. See, I can't make it without my family. I can't make it without my friends. I can't make it the way Jesus intended unless I'm in a circle. So we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that unpacks this, that talks about this whole idea. And it comes from the book of Hebrews. It's towards the end of the New Testament. And the New Testament is a, is a, a group of, of, of historical documents and letters. The Gospels are the historical documents, including Acts. But then there's some letters that the apostles wrote to different churches, like us. And, and this letter we're going to look at is it's called Hebrews, because it was a letter written to Jewish Christians spread throughout these churches. And there's an insight here about the role that you and I have in helping others and helping each other fight the flow. So let's look at it. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. It says here, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. So the author of Hebrews is saying, listen, I need all of you together to see to it that you guys, see to it that you guys don't allow anyone, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from God. Let me ask you a question. Who in their right mind would turn away from the living God? Who, who would do that? I would. You would. We all would. Some of the people online probably have both hands because they can be honest. They have both hands up. <laughs> See, we don't do it on purpose. It happens without us realizing it. Just like when I was away, it was bubbling up. And the lesson that I got was, you know, and, 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 and Lauren talked to me, and Laura talked to me. He says, you don't need to hold that stuff in. What you need to do is talk it out under control, but talk it out. That's what's going to undo it. That way you don't have this, this pressure cooker of emotion. And this whole idea is that nobody, how can we ensure that nobody in our church turns away from God and has a sinful, unbelieving heart. We're going to unpack this. He's saying this, you need to see to it together. We need to see to it. The ministers don't need to see to it, although we do, but we need to see to it. You and I need to see to it. Are you with me? And when we don't see to it, guess what happens? People are going to get an unbelieving heart that turns away from God. And they won't even know it. They won't even realize it. The drift, the drift begins where? Within. It begins within. And a lot of times we don't even see it. But guess what? There's something we're going to look at today is other people can tell 
If we open the door and we let other people in, guess what happens? They can tell. So the whole idea is this. Rose don't know. Rose don't know. You don't know what's going on with the guy next to you. You may think you know, but Rose don't know. Circles, face to face, then we can start talking and getting in each other's lives. Only then can we really make it happen. And so that's what he's saying. And so in the very next verse, he says, but encourage one another daily. So how are we going to help each other? How are we going to help each other not allow a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from God? He says, but encourage one another. Now, I got to unpack this word because we think encourage means build each other up, right? That's part of it. But the New Testament definition of this word is much, much bigger than build each other up. Instead of saying, hey, I want to encourage you. You're awesome. No, it's much more than that. Let's look at what it is. Look at what it says. This is what this word encourage means. It means to appeal to, exhort, urge strongly, beg, implore, entreat. When's the last time that you beg somebody to see a need in their life? To bring something to their attention. Bro, I beg you to see this. See, our pride won't let us a lot of times. And the lack of love won't let us. When's the last time you appealed to a brother or sister and say, hey, I want to appeal to you. I see some things happening in your life that it doesn't look good. And I care about you and I don't want you to go down that road. So I'm appealing to you. That's what it means to encourage one another. This, it's so much more than just to say some positive words that build each other up. But encourage one another how often? Say it with me. Daily. Have you encouraged somebody today? Before we got together in the service? I want to encourage you to do that. And as long as it is called today, what's this today about? It means this present situation that we are in right now, 2016, how are things around us and the effect that it's having on us? This today, the current, the flow of our world today, he goes on, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sins Deceitfulness. Now, here's something interesting about the New Testament. Do you know that when the New Testament talks about sin, it's almost as if it person, uh, personifies sin? That it's not an it, but it's a person. And you know what I'm talking about, right? You ever felt that pull and you're having conversations? with yourself about that pull, it, it, it's, it's almost like it's a person, it's alive, it's pulling you, it's, it's, it's moving you, it's an influence. And it's deceitful, it's deceitful, it's not honest, it's subtle. It can happen when you least expect it. I want you to encourage each other, the writer's saying, so that, 
a purpose statement so that I want you to be involved in each other's lives so that this doesn't happen. This doesn't happen. That sin will deceive you. The best offense is not me. The best offense is not you and me, but we, and this is bad English, okay? Forgive me for my bad English. We is the best defense against deceitfulness, the deceitfulness of sin in you. We. If we are involved in each other's lives, guess what's going to happen? We're going to protect ourselves against this. See, all that stuff that happened a couple weeks ago, because I'm in community and I have a we around me, they're able to help me not go over the edge and bring me back in to make some good out of it. And what I realize, this we needs to get even stronger. I need to go deeper. I need to have more deeper conversations. So let me ask you this question. Who, who do you have in your circle that's really helping you? And here's how this whole idea of sin as a person. What are you telling yourself these days? What am I talking about? You know those conversations that you have with yourself, right? And you usually have it in the car when no one's in the car, right? Here's how some of these conversations go, and they're not positive. You know what? I'm done with her. I've about had it with her. I've about had it with him. I'm about had it with this whole thing. I think I'm done with, with God. I think I'm done with church. This is too hard and I'm not liking it. I'm so fed up with my parents. I'm so, I'm, I'm so done with, with my relationships, my friendships, this whole thing. I, I'm, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. Those are conversations that you're having, right? You know what I'm talking about? But here's the interesting thing. What are you telling yourself these days that if you were to tell somebody else, they would think you have lost your mind? If you really got open about that conversation, they would say to you, you are losing it. Or you are going down a very long, wrong path. So let's be honest. Are you having those conversations with people? The same ones that you have with yourself, are you having them with people that you're close to? If not, why? Here's the problem with those conversations if you don't get them out with somebody else. Those conversations become decisions, and those decisions become irreversible, meaning they're going to do so much damage in your life and to your relationships and to your future, you can't repair them. Will you be forgiven? There's a good chance but you can't go back and do it over again. So what I want to encourage you to do today is to evaluate your conversations that you're having with yourself and decide, I need to get this out there. And here's what happens when you get those conversations out in the open. You go, man, I'm, I'm losing it. See, because when you say it and you say it in front of people, something happens, it's like your mind comes back to reason and you go, you know what, I'm not in a good spot. This is scary. 
But because you don't tell anybody, because you're not putting it out there. So this is why we need relationships. Because even when we say it with other people, our, our, our conscience wakes up. Look at this. Galatians chapter 5. This is what Paul said about when, when, sin, when sin grows up inside of us. The acts of the flesh are obvious. This means sex before marriage, sexual in, intimacy before marriage, sexual immorality, impurity. This would be like pornography, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage. Now, here it is. This is what happened two weeks ago. I lost it. When it happened, it was obvious to everyone, including me, that it was sin. But what if I got open way before? What if my circle were closer? Would it have gotten to this point? See, some of this stuff, it's so obvious, but it's so far down the road, it's hard to recover. And if you've got some of this stuff going on in your life and nobody knows about it, I want to encourage you this week to get open. If you're a follower of Jesus. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus and you see this in somebody who says they believe in the Bible and they follow the Bible, you have a gripe, don't you? You say, well, I'm not a follower of Jesus, but he is or she is, and look at what she's doing, look at what he's saying, and look at how he's living. Okay, I think you got a legitimate gripe. But at the same time, would you want to use them as a justification for doing what you do against God? That won't hold up with God, will it? When it's just you and him in a room, alone together? He says, well, what, what does she have to do with it? She's a hypocrite, but what does she have to do with it? What does he have to do with it? This is about you and me. And you got this stuff. Well, I'm not a believer. Well, why aren't you a believer? Jesus died for you too didn't he? I love you just as much as I love that Christian who goes to church. Why are you rejecting me? See, now the conversation changes. But if, if this is who we are, and I, and I want to encourage the campus ministry because this past Tuesday, they got together at, at their, their, their midweek service, and they had what they called a, 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 a community repentance night. And they went through verses like this, and they decided together they're going to get open about all the stuff that is hidden. And it was powerful. They were here till 11 o'clock confessing sin. You ask some of the students what that was all about. I heard that, and I was like, wow, really? So healing. Brought the ministry together. And, and people got out in the light, and they're like, okay, we, you know, now I can move on. But if you haven't done that, and you got stuff going on in your life, I want to encourage you to get open. Get, a, get in a circle so you can get open before it gets out of control, and you make some horrific decisions, and you pay the price, and other people who you love are going to pay the price. Deal with it now. Deal with it now. Now, let me ask you, go back in your history. What if the person that you love, 
would have shared their thoughts early enough in community. You know, your parents that got divorced? What if they'd have been in community early on and would have shared that stuff and gotten back on the right track? What a difference it would have made in your life. Or, you know, that, that family member, that relative who took his life or that tragedy that happened, and you know why it happened. What if they'd have gotten open with their thoughts early on? What a difference it would have made if they'd have been in community and they'd have shared that stuff early on, unpacked it, and had somebody who would have said, hey, instead of this, do this. And let's work on this together. Let's let's work on our relationship with God together. Let's get closer to God together. Let's learn how to overcome this by looking at the scriptures and what the scriptures teach on overcoming sin, temptation. There are answers out there. But the most powerful place is when we're close to God and when we are close to each other. Then we can deal with this stuff at the early stages. The drift begins within, so let someone in. The drift begins in, within, so let someone in. Let me ask you a question. Who's in there in your life? And this is the season. I'm not trying to make you feel uncomfortable. I'm trying to save you from from future disasters. And as ugly as it was two weeks ago, I feel like I was saved from something much worse because I have a circle around me, and now I can work on a plan to make things better, to grow spiritually, to grow in my relationships. And now I have a clear habit. Hey, I got to get open. I got to talk before it bubbles up. You know what I'm saying? I got to to, to let people know how I'm feeling about things instead of having these. And, And here's the weird thing. I had conversations with myself that whole week. You want to hear one of them? Let's get real. I can remember a conversation, and and I was just, you know, and it was ugly, I'm not proud of it, but I can remember a conversation. You know what? I am so sick and tired of Nick's attitude. I've about had it. And I said this a lot, but what if I, what if I had just said it? Said, hey, hey, Nick, you know what? Calm. I'm kind of, I'm kind of done with your attitude. Do you think you can work on your attitude? We had that conversation after the blow up, and it went great. He called me this week, and and we had a great conversation. He says, yeah, I got to work on my stuff. And I said, again, do you forgive me for what happened and what things went down? What can we work on? I learned a big lesson, but it all comes from this. I got to let people in. Do you let people in? There's stuff going on in your life, and you know that you're not letting people in on. And because you don't let people in, it grows, and it gets more significant. So let's, let's deal with what's going on within. And... And look at what he says, the very next verse, verse 14 of Hebrews, he says, we have come to share in Christ. We're real Christians. If indeed we hold to our original convictions firmly to the very end. Remember when you were a young Christian? Remember the convictions that you had? What's happened? 
It happens to all of us. We drift. We drift. So what do we got to do? We got to get in a circle and we got to say, hey, you know what? I want to make some changes. I want to make things different. And one of the main reasons we've allowed ourselves to drift is because we're isolated. How is it? Let me ask you this. How is it, guys, that we are so connected, so connected? I could text you right now and you get a message from me. Immediately, we're so connected. I can send a message to somebody in Mexico City and they'll get it instantly and reply back. Do you know how long it used to take me 20 years ago to get a hold of somebody in Mexico or from Mexico to get a hold of somebody here? Sometimes it would take days. Now it's instant. Guess what? We're so connected, but we've never been so disconnected. How is that? Instant messaging and, and text messaging, all these Snapchat, and I could send you a picture of what I'm doing right now. I mean, really? But we've never been so disconnected. How is that possible? Because you and I have intentionally decided to isolate ourselves and only let people in so far. And I'm going to put on a facade. I've got my digital me, and I've got my, my real me, and nobody knows my real me. That's scary. That's really scary. So if you don't intend to abandon the whole thing, pay attention to the little things. Nobody would just abandon their faith and abandon their walk with God and abandon everything, would they? Just throw it all away? No one would do that. But you do, little by little. See, because the little things, you stop doing them. What am I talking about, little things? Coming to church on a regular basis, meeting with your group on a regular basis. Not having times with God on a regular basis, daily not praying with your wife daily. It's just a little thing. You know how long it takes for me and my wife to pray? A couple minutes, but it's so powerful. Do you know that a couple that prays together? No, no, no. <laughs> a couple that prays together every day, they've done studies on this. Do you know that they have a less than 1% chance of getting separated and divorced? It's a proven study, interdenominational. If you pray together every day, that's a little thing. And I'm not talking about the, you know, the food and, the, and the, just blessing the food. I'm talking, no, you, heart to heart, praying together, a real prayer. It's a little thing, but it has such a powerful. See, that right there will tell you, you won't lose the whole thing if you'll do the little thing. And there's so many little things here in church that we do that are so powerful, but you're not doing those little things. And if you're not careful, you will lose the whole thing. And I've seen it happen in our church this year. And I'm blown away. I'm blown away. I'm going like, what? What? They're, they're losing the, they're abandoning the whole thing? I can't believe it. How does that happen? So guys, we're going to start a season right now where we're going to do a lot of little things, but those little things are so powerful. And you say, well, I don't have time for little things. Trust me, you've got so much time for little things. Look at all the little things that you do that are, that are that just so unimportant, meaningless. 
These little things really matter. All right, let's end it. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, this is what John said, the Apostle John, but if we walk in the light, meaning if we're open and we're having those conversations and we're sharing with each other those those things that we've got going on or those thoughts that we have, if we get out in the light as he is in the light, see, because God's out there, guess what? We have fellowship. What does fellowship mean? Closeness. You want to be closer to people? Start getting open with people. Well, they won't like me if I'm open. Trust me, if that person does not like you because of what you have shared, they are not your real friend. That's not somebody you want to hook your wagon to to be your friend. You want friends that will accept you and love you with your real self, with what you've really got going on. Those dark thoughts, those dark conversations, they say, you know what, I still love you. Okay? You and I, that's the kind of friends I got right now. That's the kind of family that I have right now. They see me at my worst, and they still love me. I've seen my son, I've seen my daughter at our worst, and we still are in this together. We love each other. That is real relationships, not fake ones. And guess what else? If we do this in the blood of Jesus, his son purifies us from some of our sin. You know what happened to you guys on Tuesday night when you got together and you did that? Jesus covered all of it. You know what needs to happen to all of us? We need to get open so Jesus can cover all of it. What a communion it would be together, you and I celebrating communion right now. And if we get decide we're going to get open with each other, we're going to get close to each other, we're going to have real relationships, guess what Jesus is going to do? He's going to cover all of our sins I can tell you the day after the, the blow-up, I had a really great communion. I'm going to have a really good one today because I've had some great conversations with people this week about my sin, about my stuff, my conversations, my thoughts. Okay? So let's do this together. Let's begin this season. Let's regroup. And it's not about organization. It's about... Redeciding, I'm going to be close. I'm going to have real relationships with each other. I'm going to get deeper so that we can help each other. The last thing is, someone can see what you can't. Someone can see what you can't. So if you can't see it, what, what, what protection do you have so you can identify it? If you get in real relationships, people who have conviction about what's right, guess what? They're going to be able to see it, and they're going to be able to help you and say, hey, hey, I think you're going down the wrong direction. You know what? And I'm not judging you, but I'm just saying as a friend who loves you, I think you need to make some changes. I think you need to do some evaluating. When people do that with me, when Laura did that with me, Two weeks ago, let me tell you, that right there saved me. Saved me. And, and Lauren's had some great insights into my life too. And I want to know more of what she thinks. And that's what you need in your life. You need close relationships. Parents, parents, listen to me. Listen to me. 
sit down with your children and have real conversation. Parents, listen to what they have to say. They see things that you can't, and you're the parent. You're supposed to know better, but you can't see it. See, in families, we see stuff. Kids, kids, will you, will you, will you, I know your parents are crazy. I know they, they're, I know they, they're, they're mentally, they're mentally unstable. I know that. But listen, just listen to me, really, just for a second. Your parents, your parents love you more than anybody. Please, I know they drive you crazy. Listen to them. Sit down and have a conversation. Connect where both of you can talk. I mean, this is explosive. They see things you can't. You see things they can't. What if we sit down and we talk and we get connected and we have real relationships? Roommates. I mean, guys, uh, can I talk to the marrieds? Hello? Husbands? Husbands, you ain't seeing it. You don't get it. I know you think you got it, but you don't get it. She sees things in you that you can't and you won't. Will you listen? And I know you are the wife and you are the best of the best and the better half. But will you sit down with your husband and will you listen to him? Will you let him share with you what he sees? That you're so busy and you're running around but you're not walking with God and you're worried and you're stressed out and you're getting edgy with the kids and there's a reason for that? Because you're not at peace with God and you need to spend some time with God. See what I'm talking about, guys? This is so powerful. So powerful. We can't see it. I can't see it. I should. I know. But I can't. And that's why I got to be in a circle. So right now we're going to pray for the communion. And we're going to have a great communion together. So let's, let's, uh, let's pray for forgiveness. And I really want to, before we do this, I want to encourage you, make a commitment that you're going to have some talks this week, even today. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that your word has ministered to me, to us. God, I beg you that you'll help us, God, to, to be connected in real relationships. I pray for our friends who are here today as guests, God, that they can have a vision that you really want them to be in a real relationship with you and a real relationship with each other. Heavenly Father, please cover us with the blood of Jesus we beg you, Heavenly Father, to wash us, to cleanse us, to heal us. Thank you that you love us so much. Thank you that we can be open with people in church. We lift up Jesus right now, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.